You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. A few months ago, the Montreal Canadiens were three wins away from a Stanley Cup, their 25th in history, it would have been. They are now five losses into the regular season with zero wins and a total of four goals. Those goals by Jonathan Drouin, Tyler Toffoli, and yes, Chris Weidman. The Stanley Cup run for me kind of emphasized the, the reasoning why I love this team and this organization. They played together. They played as a unit. They had an identity. They were underdogs. And they came out on top. Obviously, at the end, they couldn't beat the powerhouse. But they still showed everyone that they were legit. And they played as a unit. And that it's not all about skill. It's about heart. This is a completely different team that we're watching out on the ice. I understand there were changes. But there's something mentally for these players that has to change within the whole organization. And before I throw it on to you, I'll do a little intro. It's the Habs Culture Podcast. My name is Marikandi Bertaja. I'm alongside Justin Schwartz. It's episode 30. And I think as you guys can tell, it'll be a bit of a heated episode, to say the least. Oh, that, that's, that goes without saying right now. And um, I have a lot to say, but I don't have words to describe the situation i don't last night was the nail in the coffin for me at least yeah it was and you know what i think after game two we talked about it on last episode and we said is it too early to jump the gun here and be too worried and we gave them a fair shot and i know it's been five games it's an 82 game season but i've never seen a team come out flatter Game after game after game after game after game. Don't get me wrong. There have been some some moments where they've looked decent. But they have not looked like a hockey team. And that concerns me. It concerns me that they are incapable of doing the simple things. There's nothing. There's literally nothing happening on the ice. There's no spark. There's no chemistry. And there's no effort. It's it's just they're they're playing like a lottery team, and they look like one. They're 32nd in the National Hockey League. Yes, there's 32 teams, and they're 32nd in the National Hockey League. Mark, can I can I say something quickly? Yeah, go ahead. Brett Kulak is second on the team in scoring. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, I like Brett Kulak. <laughs> I think he's a great third line, third pairing defenseman. But that's that's sad. That is sad. It's embarrassing. That's through five games. Chris Weidman has more goals than Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, and Josh Anderson combined. Let that settle in. For those listening or watching at home, we're having a little bit of a hard time finding our our rhythm here just because it doesn't really get worse than the situation right now. 
You know, I wasn't exp- look. Did I think they were a good team coming into the season? Yes. Did I think they would make the playoffs? Yes. Did I think they'd be a wild card team? Yes. Am I surprised about what's happening? No. And that I can't explain why. I can't explain that I'm not surprised of what I'm watching when they when they hit the ice. I'm just not surprised because we've seen this before under this exact same coach, but we forgot all about it because of that Stanley Cup run where they showed that if they play as a team, I feel like this is episode 12 all over again. They play as a team, and if everyone plays within their role and within the system of the team, they will be successful. That's what they did in the playoffs, and that's where they were successful. And now you look at this team and they go, which direction are they going in? Where are they going? I couldn't tell you. I don't, I don't know if it's up. And you and know what? Can't the go any further is, down. I think one of the biggest problems that I've noticed, and we've talked about this so many times on this podcast, and I'm going to continue to mention it, is the fact that this team has never been at the top and has never been at the bottom. They vote, except for their, you know, the few times where they've been in that top five pick range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's 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 less than a handful of times here. So they always find themselves in that 15, 15th overall, 16th overall, 12th overall in terms of in terms of draft, in terms of the draft. And when you finish there year in and year out, you never really establish a successful period in the league because there's no tanking to get certain players that you want in the draft. And there's never that period where you're comfortably on top. We're always fighting for a spot or not even close to making the, the playoffs or mm-hmm. just, or just out. It's, it's never, it's never in between or never, or never anything else. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with this organization. And it doesn't seem to be, or it doesn't, it doesn't seem to me like there's any urgency on the part of, of the organization and its staff. And I know it's been five games. I don't want to jump the gun here. I really don't. Well, I wouldn't, you can jump the gun. You can jump the gun. It just bothered. No, because I understand to a certain extent why, for example, Dominic Ducharme has not been fired. Yeah. I, I understand. (laughs) We'll get into that, but yeah. Right. I understand (laughs) to a certain extent why Alex Burroughs hasn't been fired. And we'll go into this. Yeah, we'll go into that. But I think people and fans at home are expecting, look at this terrible start. This does, it doesn't get any worse. Fire them. Get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Mark, we both know this, it's, the, it's an unrealistic avenue right now. Well, yeah, we'll get into the firings. I just want to bring it back to um, what you mentioned about that gap of either you tank or you right. a period of time. Carey Price was like, Perfect player at the wrong time. You know what I mean? Like his prime was at the wrong time for this team. Um, and they didn't take advantage of his prime. And people always say, you know, build build through the draft. Our general manager has said many times, you don't acquire an elite player through trade every day. You can't get a number one center through trade. You have to draft them. Luckily, we got a very good center through trade, but we had to give up an elite player in return. Then you go through the draft and you lose throughout a full regular season in order to pick in the top five. They get into the lottery and they get to pick in the top three. 
I'm referring to 2018. So they suffered that whole year in order to pick an elite player, which would help their franchise. And in that case, it was a centerman. That centerman now plays for the Carolina Hurricanes, scored a goal on the Bell Center Ice against them to put the dagger. May I remind you, he's 21 years old. They replaced him with Christian Dvorak. And now they're 0-5, not knowing which direction they're in. Their general manager has one year left on his deal. doesn't seem motivated to do his job. Their coach seems like the exact same coach that he replaced. And everyone doesn't seem to know what's going on. So how do you rebuild with what could have been Suzuki, Caulfield, Romanov, when now it's just, sorry, Suzuki, Caulfield, Romanov, and Kotkaniemi, where now it's just Suzuki, Caulfield, Romanov, with a player like Dvorak, you have Anderson locked up long-term, Toffoli's in there, Hoffman's in there. There's You can't. You just can't rebuild. Because you don't yeah. have that yet, those, those young pieces that allows you to build cornerstones, a lot like Ottawa's doing. With Shane Pinto, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, Brady Kachuk. Because you, you let you let that 21-year-old walk. That was a decision you made. Right. And to to add to your point, I think what you said, you you hit it on the dot here. A, a team, our our team now, like you mentioned, is built is built. Yes, there there are a few young players. There are a few young players that that will have good careers in this mm-hmm. league. But unfortunately, now this team is built up of a bunch of players who are, I'll call it, in their prime, kind of maybe leaving their right. So, so what you said makes a ton of sense in the sense that these young players are not really gonna going to benefit from from this team from this team going forward because they're not because they're not moving as one like like the Ottawa Senators. You look at the Ottawa Senators and, and the guys you name, all, all valid. There's no real older guys on their team. They're built up of a lot of young players that are who are playing with very little to lose and are and with a lot to prove. As they'll all, to, sorry, they'll all be in their prime at the same together. time. Yeah. At the same time. Continue. And the problem with Montreal is that you have Carey Price, you have Shea Weber. I know, I know there's some problems there, but regardless, mm-hmm. those are two players that are well past their prime. I mean, Carey Price has showed some significant flashes, but I do believe that his time is coming here. Mm-hmm. And then you have Josh Anderson, Toffoli, Gallagher. The list goes on and on here of players who are kind of, you know, they've had their time in the league. And then you have that, that next tier of the Caulfield, Romanov, Suzuki, so on and so forth, who... Are, haven't even reached their peak, let alone let alone anything at all in this league. Mm-hmm. They've, they've accomplished just a little bit, but but nothing near what they will. So with that being said, you have these these different tiers on your team, and it's just a it's a mismatch. It's a mismatch, and at, unlike the Sens, who are kind of kind of moving together to mm-hmm. reach an end goal at the same time, all while performing well at the same time. We were told that with Carey Price and Shea Weber, this team was going to be all in for every year that these guys are on the team. That was the decision that the, the organization made. I think it was fine to accept that because we wanted to see those two players succeed. They have a run to the cup finals, which would we will say was 
not supposed to happen, right? Because of the way the season was made out of. But you're in a position now where the decision is even harder because this decision was was in the was out there when price was reaching that that point where his seasons weren't as good people were questioning what do we do with him do we rebuild do we keep him do we try and build a good team and now you have a good team on paper like this is a good hockey team like the players that you mentioned the Josh Anderson the Foley Hoffman you throw those on Stanley Cup contending teams they're very good hockey players and don't get us wrong we love those players we're just saying that now you don't have cornerstones to build around because there's so much, there's a lot of disparity between ages and players who are in their prime past it and haven't even begun it. Where I would have loved to seen to see you trade. Look, when, when Ottawa started their rebuild, that Carlson, they didn't build with Carlson. They got rid of him and they got back a player like Josh Norris and they built around Norris. They lost in the 2018 season, a lot. They drafted Brady Kachuk. Kachuk. They build around Batherson, build around different guys, Shabbat. So if they would have done that with Suzuki, Kotkaniemi, and then you get Caulfield, and you get another top 10 pick, you know what I mean? That's how it would have been. But they made a decision of staying with Price, staying with Weber, and I respect that decision because it allowed us to go to the Stanley Cup Finals, something we've never seen before. But now, now something has to be done because this gem won't be here next year. It's so obvious. It's it really obvious. obvious. It's it's beyond obvious. And and I want to add to your point quickly. And not only look at the few players that we have left to bank on and get our hopes up about Suzuki, Caulfield, Romanov, etc. Aside from Suzuki, I see a pattern that is developing in terms of misuse and mismanagement once again. And I think we're on the same page. If we're not, we'll, we'll, have a con- we'll have a conversation about it. But I don't see, in a world, I don't see how Caulfield will develop and become a better hockey player by getting 10 to 12 minutes a game and playing with Matthew Perot down the middle. Now, don't get me wrong. I think a player of his caliber should be playing significant minutes and there's a difference between playing significant minutes and being overworked especially as a young player but there is a huge difference and he there's a there's also a middle ground and i think right now the misuse of cole caulfield and i will add alexander romanov who gets no play not no playing time but no power play time at all doesn't get a chance to show what he's worth and you mentioned it play scared because he's scared to make mistakes i see a path or an avenue very much like Alex Galchenyuk, very much like the short-lived career in Montreal of Jesperi Kotkaniemi. And that is concerning, especially with players of this talent and this caliber who showed what they can do at not only the junior level, not only the NCAA level, but at the NHL level. And we're just going to throw that out the window. I don't I want to hear what you have to say about that. When Victor Mete left, he had an interview in Ottawa a few games like into a like he had a few games with the Sens and then he had an interview, whatever. Right. Um and they asked him what the difference is between Montreal and Ottawa. And I'm not gonna quote him exactly because I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was along the lines of it feels good to go out on the ice and if you make a mistake, you'll know you'll be out there in the next shift. You won't get sat. 
do you know the difference between a player that can go out, especially a player like Victor Mete, who likes to move the puck, who likes to skate, a little turnover in the neutral zone goes back the other way. Let's say Matt Murray makes a save. Okay, you learn from your mistake, get back out there and don't do it again. The Habs, they just benched him and then they scratched him for three games. And that is what they're doing to a lot of young players. Look, Caulfield, everyone's struggling on this team. Caulfield's struggling, he already got demoted. You have a four-on-three power play. And they've had a few of these power plays where they're five-on-three, four-on-three, whatever. And he's not on the ice. He's not... Do you know how much room there is on the ice on a four-on-three power play? They put Jeff Petrie on the ice, and I love that Mike Hoffman's on. I like that Mike Hoffman's there. I, I like agree. that he's there because he has an absolute wire of a shot, but he's not getting the puck because Jeff Petrie's taking one-timers from the blue line in lanes that aren't available. And he's so impatient, it makes no sense. He's so impatient. Move the puck. Mike Hoffman's right next to you. Move it to him. And if you're not going to use Hoffman, put Caulfield out there and use him. Now it's an absolute mess. It is a mess. That's just the power play we're talking about. And and again, I mean, and, and I'll add on to it, and I'm going to keep hammering this point because I truly believe it. And I want to hear what people at home have to say. I mean, look, you, you look at a guy like like Alexander Romanov. He's averaging 17 minutes a game. Now, mm-hmm. you guys at home might say that's that's a good amount of time. For a defenseman, it's all right. It's not horrible. It, it, it's, Compared it's to not, last year, it's really not bad. Fair enough. But it's not... But as a defenseman, as a top as a top pairing defenseman... Mm-hmm. Sorry, he's not a top pairing defenseman. But what I'm saying is the top pairing defenseman of the league, 21 to 23 minutes a game. Yeah. He's not a top pairing... Excuse me. He's not a top pairing defenseman. Yeah. But the thing is, is that the Habs right now are not using him like he will become a top pairing defenseman. And that's the problem I have, is that he looks scared to make a mistake. He does. And you can see it because he's had his problems with defensive, uh, being a defensive liability at times and being sometimes a turnover machine in the neutral zone. But regardless, he has a skill set and he's not even using it to his advantage because he's too scared to show what he can do. And that is where I have a problem. When the young players and the prosperous players that we have on our roster are too scared to make mistakes. And, and you said it best, Victor Mete. But even Jesperi Kotkaniemi looked at, at times like he was scared to make a mistake. He became a defensive liability. He wasn't great in the neutral zone. He didn't contribute much in the offensive zone. And I'm not blaming this on Jesperi Kotkaniemi. I'm blaming a lot of it on the pressure that was put on him to be something that he was not. And yes, Perry Kotkaniemi, like a lot of other players on this team, young players on this team, have an incredible skill set. But if you're scared to make a mistake and go out there and no, and you're not going to use it to your advantage, then you might as well be sitting in the press box. I just, I, I lost the love to watch this team because they don't look engaged. And from top to bottom, this organization just looks like a mess. You know, when I was, when I was a kid getting into hockey, getting into all the rumors and all the trades. And when I started getting into that, I was so happy to be a Habs fan because they're always in it. There's always something about the Montreal Canadiens. There's always a headline. And for the past year and a half, two years, there have been too many, like way too many, to the point where it's getting annoying with COVID cases. Armia COVID case. It's a Kardashian TV show. Literally. There was, yeah, so there's the Armia COVID case. There's... Last season, how many things happened with Price getting injured, Price not playing well, COVID, shortened season, 
injured players, injured Gallagher, barely making the playoffs. They make the playoffs, Stanley Cup finals, offer sheet, trading for a new guy. There was so many things. Jonathan Drouin, Carey Price again. There's just there's so many things where you look back and you go, well, this makes sense why they're so trash. It makes sense because not only was there all these distractions, but you have a general manager who has one year left. He says he will honor that year. You know, if I if I go to my job, I have a part-time job. If I go there and I give him my two weeks, and I know I'm going to be leaving in two weeks, you think I'm going to work hard every day of those two weeks that I work, at least I have a shift? Probably I'm going to say, not. no, I'll honor it. I'll, I'll do what I can. I have two weeks left. Why am I going to break my, my back? So what's the direction here? Because Jeff Molson has to make a decision. Do you promote this guy as president of hockey operations? To He doesn't do all the day-to-day stuff. He's just there. And you bring in a new guy? Or do you wipe everything in the offseason, new direction, new coaching staff? Because this team needs a new identity and a new way of doing things on the ice and off the ice. So I want to hear your opinion. I couldn't agree with you more. I honestly couldn't agree with you more. And the thing is, Mark, is that I mean, I know you can I know you can back this up, is that I, I've I think we've both been saying it for a while now. Even and, and even last season. I know, I know they weren't playing well, then they made the cup final, and it was a ton of fun. It mm-hmm. was so much fun. Mm-hmm. But despite that success, despite that success, they were a bad hockey team throughout the regular season. And when I say bad, I mean, probably not worse than how they're playing now, but they but they were pretty bad. Mm-hmm. They were a pretty bad hockey team. So with that being said, I think that we've talked about this for a while. And the problem is, is that Jeff Molson, it's almost as if Jeff Molson, in my eyes, is scared of Mark Bergevin. And he's scared to fire him. And the only way that Mark Bergevin is ever going to leave this team is when his contract is up. And that's about it. And mutually. Right, yeah. mutually, right? It's never going to be, you are fired. You were fired. No, it won't be. And I think that's the problem is that now you look at the hierarchy in this organization and when Jeff Molson, who is at the top, top, top cream of the crop here, is scared to make moves and scared to give give the guy right under him a hard time, it's going it's going to create a mess it's going to yeah and then the question comes in because i can't sleep at night not knowing what language the general manager is going to be able to speak so i saw this on twitter and i'll again i'm sorry i don't remember from who it was or who tweeted it half of it's from twitter at least that i agreed with jeff gordon of former former New York Rangers general manager. I really liked what he did in New York. And I think he got fired for some stupid reason. Tom Wilson just blew up that whole team and then everyone got fired, including him. So why not, Jeff, if you're listening, not Jeff Gordon, Jeff Molson, if you're listening, why not bring him in as a president of hockey operations, a man who doesn't have to speak French because he's the president of hockey operations. He works on hockey. He works on the bigger picture who doesn't have to address the media. And you bring in 
a French-speaking general manager, which this part I didn't see on Twitter. I only saw the Jeff Gordon part on Twitter. You bring in a guy like Matthew Darsh, and you're looking at me like, Matthew Darsh, the guy, played on the halves. It wasn't very good. Matthew Darsh is currently Julian Breezebaugh's assistant general manager in Tampa Bay. Julian Breezebaugh was Steve Eiserman's assistant general manager in Tampa Bay. And he learned all the things from Stevie Y. Julian Breezebaugh goes back-to-back in Tampa Bay, and his assistant, Matthew Darsh, played for the Canadians and speaks French. You bring him over here because this organization has money, and you lure him over here. As your general manager, you have a president of hockey operations that makes sure everything's going smoothly, a GM who can speak French and address the media, and you have a whole new direction for this franchise, including a whole new coaching staff. That's my perfect, in a perfect world, I'll use Mark Bergevin's quote, in a perfect world. You don't need to convince me. It, it makes sense. It does. No, and, and it, it makes a ton of sense. So I think I mean, it'll happen? No. It, it's funny because I just I just have such a big problem and I don't want to go into this too much. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, well, I can, because I saw on Twitter, I think I saw the exact same thing as you, but I think there was another one. It, it was, you know, projected positions for next year in terms of GM uh, yeah, I think the name I saw was Patrick Roy with Jeff Gordon as his boss, which I completely disagree with. Yeah, no. But go no. ahead, continue. Well, that that's not the one I saw. I saw the Martin Madden Jr. one. The is he the, the guy ass- with Anaheim? Yeah, Anaheim? He, he's the assistant GM of Anaheim. Right Anaheim, now. yeah, he speaks French. Yeah. So does does he? Uh, yeah, he speaks French. You're kidding. The only ones that are considered right now are the ones that speak French. I'm. I think it's like, funny I'm pretty sure he speaks I, French because I remember a while ago on a. Um, on the sick podcast with uh, Tony Marinaro, they mentioned his name, and that's why I know he's from Anaheim. What's his name? Mar- Martin Madden Jr. Martin Madden Jr. I'm pretty sure he's... Yeah, it's... If you search Mar- up his name... Or it's Martin all... Madden... Oh, yeah, it's Martin Madden Jr. Yeah. But I didn't know that. That's hilarious. But, okay. Anyway, but I, I saw that avenue as well. Um, oh, this guy. I, I'm... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> look, look, I'm just I'm just on the same page as you. I think that like you said this team needs a new identity. And going season going into every season, it's the same thing. It's Jeff Molson's the the owner. We know that. We know that. That's off the bat. But it's we also change. know and yeah, but we also know that Mark Bergevin is the GM and that hasn't changed in 11 years. And the president or vice president, sorry. And I don't know if we talked about this last episode. It it rings a bell, but I talked about how when you're in a in a position like Mark Bergevin, who knows that his job security is is so high that he doesn't need to worry about getting fired, then what then what does he have to offer to this team? Because he knows that, he, like I just said, he knows that his team uh, his job is so secure that walking into the office every day, he's not going to have to be scared that he might end up on the hot seat. He knows that regardless of how this team does, whether they make it to the Stanley Cup final or whether they're the worst team in the league, his his job is secure. And that's the problem, is that in every other franchise, and, and we've seen it firsthand, whether the team starts off 0-10, 0-20, or whether, or whether they make it to the Stanley Cup final, changes are made accordingly. And I do understand that this team went to the Stanley Cup final. I get that. 
But like I mentioned before, this team was one goal away, or Mark Bergevin, in my opinion, was one goal away from being fired. And with that being said, Jeff Molson needs to look at the bigger picture and tell himself, he did bring this, I say he, this team went to the Stanley Cup final. But was it because of Mark Bergevin? And now that's a debate to have, and that's a conversation to have, and I and I know where you lean on this conversation. Yeah, yeah, because look, I still like Mark. I think he he built a strong team, a team that didn't play up to their potential until the playoffs. That being said, what more can he do at the moment? What can you do? You can't. You can't. You can't do anything. Right. Everything. Mark- all of his values of staying as a contender have to be put down the drain and completely rev- his ideas have to be completely revamped and he's not the guy to do it. There has to be a new voice because right now they're trending downward and they need someone to bring it back up. And it can't always be that guy who it can't be the guy who brought them down that brings them back up. In Absolutely. my opinion. Absolutely. And and I just think that Mark Bergevin has been here for too long. Too little too long. And like I was like I was mentioning before, we've we've seen GM changes around the league. And and it is not an easy hit to take for a franchise or an organization. It is not easy to switch the GM because, like you said, it changes the whole mindset and it changes the direction of a team more times than not. But the thing is, is that this team right now is so in need of a change of mindset and a change of direction that he needs to go ASAP. And honestly, and quite honestly, I think that anyone at this point in Mark Bergevin's career, and this might be bold, but I think that anyone at this point in Mark Bergevin's career will do a better job than him because I think that they will have a newfound reason to put this team in a certain direction and honor that. Like I said, honor it. (laughs) It'll be done at the end of the season. They're just going to, it's the perfect scenario. They part ways and you bring in a new guy. And that new guy decides what he does with the coaching stuff. I think that's what happens. But now my question to you is, this team parts parts ways with Mark Bergevin. They bring in someone else. We don't know who that is. Kind of revamp the coaching staff. What is the next step after that? Because let's just make the assumption that that will be the case. Mm-hmm. You What's assess what you do with, uh, with Price. Because Weber's done. He's not playing hockey again. Right. So that, that'll just be LTIR or retirement. And then that's off the books because Nashville pays for his money. Well, if this team, if, if this team goes, that continues the trend that they're playing at, they'll have a top five pick. They'll have a shot at Shane Wright. It's funny though. It's really funny though, because we talked about this three episodes ago, two or three episodes ago. And the, and the, the importance of drafting and how Montreal has not been able to capitalize mm-hmm. on that. Trevor Timmons has to hit this summer. He has to hit. Right, Mark. But the problem is, is that how much confidence do we have in this draft room at this point? They've missed year after year after year after year. The last successful pick was... Well, first rounders, we'll say. Yeah, sorry. I I, I didn't mean past the first Mm -hmm. round. I was just looking at... Because the first... Because they've done a fairly good job past the first round. I agree. Because because I feel like there's a lot less pressure when you're drafting there, right? Yeah, yeah. But regardless, I think that hitting on a first round pick is so crucial because you don't you don't you don't go all season being bad and disappointing your fans just to not make a significant move in the offseason for example a draft pick a first round draft pick mm-hmm. and i think that it's so crucial that they make the right draft pick and and don't get me wrong i think that if if we're looking at Shane Wright who is the pres- the uh, assumed to be 
first overall pick. It's very hard to mess up a guy like that, but it but it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Not at all. And that's the problem that I have is that regardless of where they pick, whether it be one, whether it be fifteen, whether it be twenty five, whether it be thirty, I'm I'm still I'm still scared to see who they draft and how they pan out and how they manage that player because you could pick a player and I'm just gonna I'm gonna finish here. You could pick a player and they can be and they can be so good coming out of where they came from, but it's how you manage them. You know, people are probably listening going, oh my God, you guys are already talking about drafting first overall and having a high draft. We're five games in, guys, relax. You know, the Canadians, just to reach 95 points, have to go out a 1.6 points per game for the rest of the season. Just to reach 95 points, because 95 is the magic number, we'll say, that sort of gets into the playoffs, sort of gets you into the playoffs. But the Habs, may I remind you, are in the best, uh, division in hockey, the Atlantic Division, which maybe 95 points won't even get you into the playoffs. And you have to go 1.6 points per game. A loss gets you zero points, just to remind you. Overtime gets you one, and a win gets you two. Right? Yep. That's a lot of wins you got to get. And and like you mentioned, and let's emphasize it here in this division. In we and we did our season preview, and we looked at this division. It is stacked. It is stacked from top to bottom, basically. And now with the Sens that are making a case for themselves and and a name for themselves, there's a couple at the bottom, right? Detroit, but Detroit still seems to be ahead of us. But Detroit's going in the right direction. That's absolutely the thing, they they've been so irrelevant for a reason. They right. they know they know why they've been irrelevant because that was their goal to be irrelevant so they get good picks. And Mark, this this speaks to every major league. There are periods of success and periods of I'll call it despair, if you if you will, or periods of not being as successful. And the problem is is that the Montreal Canadiens in 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 being so successful and not being successful at all are always in this middle part. Mm-hmm. Always in this middle part. So when you're in that middle part, and we mentioned this at the top of the episode, when you're in that middle part. You, your periods of success will not be as dominant as some of the other teams who salvaged or sorry who who ruined their future or sorry who sorry who ruined a couple years like let, let's take the the um the uh, Florida Panthers for example mm-hmm. Florida Panthers were a bad hockey team yeah and it was not one year they first of all I know that f- hockey in Florida isn't huge. But I know that it's become a lot bigger because of the success that the Panthers have had as of late. And they've been a, a good hockey team. They've, they're a great hockey team now, but they've been a good hockey team for a couple, two, three years now. But they were really bad. They drafted properly. They got Alexander Barkov. They got Jonathan Huberto. They drafted Mackenzie Weger. You know, you know what I mean? They traded for Sam Bennett. They traded. They went all in at the right time when their mm-hmm. prospects were ready. And the problem is, is that instead of building, instead of the Montreal Can- Canadiens, excuse me, building from their prospects, they're building from what they already had in yeah. Carey Price and Shea Weber. And then adding on Suzuki and Caulfield. But it should be the complete other way around, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, the Leafs lost for a look. And don't get me wrong, they're still losing in the playoffs. But they lost in the regular season for a long time. And look like, at Carolina. Forget the fact, yeah, forget the fact that they haven't won a playoff series since 04. I'll remind you guys, they haven't won a playoff since 04. But... <laughs> no, because Sorry, I'll get to my point after. I see on Twitter... And on TikTok, I saw this TikTok. 
of some guy just his face staring right at the camera going to hey Habs fans how does it feel that you're gonna get to pick Shane Wright because you guys suck something like that and obviously I went straight to the comments and the comment that I that put a smile on my face was it was 3-1 because yes it was 3-1 and all the comments answering that comment were or 4 0 because it was when they were 0-4-0 whatever I'd personally, I'd rather start a season 0-4-0 and now 0-5-0 than end the season 0-3-0. Anyways, so Toronto, <laughs> Toronto lost for a long time in the regular season. They still lose, no, whatever. They lost for a long time <laughs> in the regular season. And they got William Nylander, Mitch Marner, and Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews is the big prize. First overall pick doesn't come around very often. They got him. So now they have those pieces and they built around those pieces. Obviously, there were some questionable decisions. A la John Tavares, whatever. But sorry, sorry to cut you off. I just want to say one thing on the John Tavares front mm-hmm. is that they already had Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and Nylander before they made the decision exactly. to go and, out and acquire John Tavares. And not more importantly, those players were ready to take the next step when they acquired John Tavares. Right, they were ready to take that next step, and once John Tavares slid into that lineup, boom, they were all elite NHL players, which makes them a successful regular season hockey team. Regular season hockey team, right? The rest has to be fixed mentally, but it will. And and uh, as someone who's not a huge fan of the Leafs, I mean, no Montreal Canadiens fan really is, but I mean, that's gonna come. That's gonna come. Uh, uh, honestly, I I don't know if it will. I'm not even I'm not even trying to be a a pest. I'm just if this team removes John Tavares and look at the time John Tavares was an unrestricted free agent, I wanted him to come to Montreal because it was John Tavares at the time. Now it's a different story. I'm just saying, well, even at the time, the Habs had no number one center. The Leafs already have two. Anyways, imagine if the Leafs remove John Tavares and all that money that's in John Tavares goes to Tyler Bozak, Nazem Kadri, JVR. Yeah, uh, Johnson, Camp, Kapanen. Look at that team. Look at that team. That's a good hockey team. Yeah, now yeah. you're dealing with uh, Michael Bunting and, and Nick Ritchie. It's the same process for the Leafs every year, but let, let's not stick on that too much. Yeah, I'm just saying, honestly, Leafs fans, if you, you wanted any hope, that's what it is. You get back I mean, those players. If they're listening, I'd be quite surprised, but that's a different conversation. Yeah. But the other team that I wanted to add to or kind of in a similar situation that's kind of going unnoticed a little bit is the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, we'll get on we'll, we'll talk about Karkiniemi Kar- in a, in a few will. minutes here. We, we will. will. But the one thing I want to say is that Carolina hasn't really had much success in the in the playoffs, but despite that, they've been a good regular season team. And they've been a good regular season team through the draft. They went out and drafted Sebastian Ajo. They drafted Svechnikov right before Karkiniemi. They drafted Brett Pesci. They Traded for Dougie Hamilton, but that's a different story. Regardless, they, they also made, traded well, though. They did, and... they did. They did very well. And the thing is, mm-hmm. is that, but again, keep in mind that they only made, I know they traded for Dougie Hamilton a little bit earlier on. It was, it was kind of an, a, an under the radar move that ended up being pretty significant for both. The Noah Hannafin deal. Yeah. Yeah. Noah Hannafin went one way and then, uh, and, and so did Lynn and then Dougie and someone else the other way. But mm-hmm. regardless, is that they, 
were a, they made a few trades before, yes, but they did a lot of their damage in the draft and then added the necessary pieces to compete. And just like the Leafs, right? The, both regular season teams, both teams that know how to win games, and they they didn't go the other way around, like like what Montreal has done for the past four or five well, since '06. What were the Carolina Hurricanes? What were they? They were just a relevant Ward's franchise. Hockey team. Yeah, Cam Ward's hockey team. I mean, they did. Did they not? They won the cup in two thousand nine. Yeah. It was, uh, it was 06, no, I think. You're right. Sorry. Oh, nine. Since 06, what have they... And no one yep. noticed. And then now they're... Look, again, win a playoff yeah. series, then come talk to me. But still. Right. They're a good hockey team. What they are in, or what they are also, is a Colossus organization. Because they're a new owner. Colossus. I hate that franchise. Even before the whole Kakinami thing, I hated that franchise. That whole... A lot of people love the whole... Uh, you see me on YouTube. The whole surge, Storm whatever. Surge. Storm surge. I hate it. I don't like really? it. Really? I'm not. I, I, I don't mind it that much. I don't like it. I, I don't like the whole social media thing. And now with the whole cocky well, thing. Well, that. I hate well, it. See, yeah. See, and and I think this is being taken too far. And and look, people at at home might come at us and say, "Oh, you guys are." I got it on Twitter this morning. I got it. Some people came at me. Really? Yeah. And, and see, the thing is, is that I think people need to realize that yes, we're Habs fans, and yes, we're a little bit salty, and and as we should be. But the thing is, is that I think that this organization talking about the Carolina Hurricanes, is just taking it a little bit too far. And there's a difference between poking fun and just being relentless and annoying. And I think that's what it's gotten to in my eyes. They're fighting a battle alone. There's no one fighting back. That's what the issue is. is yeah. that there's no, the last thing the Habs did to them was in 2018. Yeah. They so haven't, the and they haven't responded to any of their tweets since. The last thing they did was the offer sheet. They said, we tendered a qualifying offer to Sebastian Ajo. He has accepted it. The Carolina Hurricanes matched. Hasn't been anything since, and they just keep adding on. There's a website for those who don't know. Last night, it came up. It actually, it, I think it got removed. It got removed. It did. Yeah. Because they probably didn't want to, they can't even afford Sebastian now. How can they afford that domain? Anyways, it was called didthehabslose.com. And if you search that up, or if you searched it up, because now it's not available, it was Sebastian Aho with a thumbs up or whatever. He was stirring something. And it said... Was he not throwing money? Is that what he was doing? Uh, maybe. I don't know. But they have no money. Anyways, <laughs> it said yes. And then if you scroll down, you can get a Kotkaniemi and Sebastian Aho t-shirt. $20 off or for $20 if you use the code WE. As in yes. They made a whole, a whole website about an offer sheet. Yet their owner says that it wasn't personal and that it wasn't for revenge. On their Twitter, their bio after last night's game was Le, Le Hurricane Triomphe. The Hurricanes win. Like, at one point, you just... You, you got the player. You got him. He's yours. Move on. You did enough damage. And we're not fighting back. You know what, Mark? Uh, to me, it, it, it's, they're upset. And it still bothers them to this day. Let them have it. Yeah, I, and I got on Twitter saying, Colossus organization, question mark. Your team was saying F-U-K-K to the kid when he hopped on the ice. Yeah, yeah people were doing that, which I don't agree with. No, and I... and Because I, anyone in that stands, and any, anyone in those stands, anyone watching that hockey game, if they were offered $6.1 million to leave a team that scratched them in the Stanley Cup finals and have a new opportunity, they would take it in a heartbeat. 
So nothing yeah. against the kid. I just have something against the organization. Yeah, absolutely. I'm on, I'm on the same page, and and I do miss Kod Kaniemi. I think that again, a lack of management per usual. I'm not surprised about mm-hmm. it, but what are you going to do? You're going to move on. We're going to move on here and try not to let it bother us. But I was a huge fan of the kid, and I really think that the, there there was some sort of promise in his play. And I think that uh, we've talked about this. I, I don't even know why I'm bringing yeah, that up. I think we just stop on it. It's just it's just very frustrating that. Last night's fifth loss in a row came to the Carolina Hurricanes, who now have Yes Perry Kotkaniemi on their roster. That just hurts a little bit. But I miss what do you? What do you? Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Um. And I just wanted to bring one more thing up because when we were talking about you know teams that have been successful but they were they were bad for a while, a team that's kind of stuck out to me that is going down that path right now is the Arizona Coyotes. They have taken on so many contracts. And Ooh, we talked so about much. it last time. Yeah. Last oh, we did, right? We know we know what they're doing. Exactly. Well, for Austin Matthews, Austin Matthews, but also, but also, they're going to lose a significant amount of games in the next few seasons mm. to the point where they have so many players. They're going to have so many promising players on their roster. They're going to go dish out a nice fat contract to Austin Matthews, and all of a sudden, everyone's going to be like, "Where did this come from?" And we're going to be like, "I told you so." Go listen to episode twenty-nine. Anyways, the thing with Arizona is they've been rebuilding for just too long. Like, because they screwed up the Dylan Strom pick, they screwed up. That was the most stacked draft that I've ever right. witnessed in my life. And they screwed up that a top three pick. Mm-hmm. So that's the only issue with Arizona that I have is that it's been too long they rebuilt. Like they right. should have had at least five years of success at this point. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of teams that are doing that method because again. It's easier to do it in a quieter market. Montreal's a different scenario, but at some point you gotta you gotta lose to win. But we'll see what happens because last season the Habs were the highest scoring team in the National Hockey League. They were shot out of a cannon, and then they completely flattened out. So there there's a glimpse of hope. I'll say maybe ten percent of hope. The ninety percent is this season's already in the bin, and uh, I'm excited for the draft. That's the yeah. 90%, if I'm being honest. It's sad, but that's what it is. And it has to be that because they're playing horrible. That, that doesn't even honestly describe it. It's this is, this is a hockey team that has showed not a single a single glimpse of urgency. Yeah, yeah. Regardless of where they are in the, in the game. First of all, I don't think they've been leading this season except for the first game where they scored first and Jonathan Joy scored. But regardless, I mean, there has been no urgency when they've been down, which has been basically every game. No urgency. Mm-hmm. And and whatever. I, I can I can go into depth. We're hitting the 45 minute mark, so yeah. I don't want to I don't want to go into that. But it's crazy to me how this team this team does have a a group of good hockey players who could do damage in this league. And for some reason, they're just not coming together to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And and th- to me, this speaks a lot to, um, excuse me, Dominic Ducharme's coaching style. I personally don't get it, and I don't know what he says in the locker room. So I'm not going to speak on that. But the one thing that bothers me so much, Mark, is the fact that why are you dumping the puck in if you're not going to chase? You might as well pass it to them. You might as well just be mm-hmm. like, here you go. Now you guys can start your rush. Because mm-hmm. they dump in the puck, I think, from what I've seen, more times than any team in the league. 
And when they do, they don't even chase. And when they chase, it's one guy in on the forecheck and not two. And then this third guy high is picking his nose in the high slot. It's ridiculous. The de- <laughs> the defensemen aren't aggressive enough in the defensive zone. They're watching the puck. It is crazy to me. And 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 that's why I'm agreeing with you that I think 90% of this, 90% of, of our mindset here is that this as is that this season is in the bin. And mm-hmm. I and I would even I would even go up to 95% because don't get me wrong. I don't think that they can play this bad all season. I don't, but I don't know how much better that they can get. Yeah. And and you know what? I hope we I hope we eat our words and and in a few and four months from now the Habs are in the playoffs and surprising everyone and pulling a St. Louis 2018-2019 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But I mean, true. I, just, yeah. I don't Louis see it, it happening. I don't see it happening. Um, before we go on to our predictions because we're reaching the end. Imagine we have to do predictions now. Yeah, I'll say this. Um. They're not a team. I'll just leave it on that. Pierre Dorian's one of those greatest um, quotes ever. The GM of the Ottawa Senators. When they were horribly bad, like horrible. David Amber, I think it was, asked him, what's wrong with your team, David? And he just looked at the camera for a solid 30 seconds and answered, we're not a team. And at the time I laughed and I said, what a stupid answer that is. Now I'm going to say it for this team or this organization. They're not a hockey team. This is a bunch of, sorry, this is a bunch bunch of players that are going, going out to play shinny hockey. Mm -hmm. This is, it's what it looks like. And it's, and it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing that in, in a major league, in a, in, in, excuse me, in a market with a team that is worth so much money, Mm-hmm. you can look this bad. And don't get me wrong, teams have their ups and downs. And I'm not saying that they can't go through a bad stretch because we've seen it before and this isn't the first time. But it's crazy to me how there, there, there's no... I don't even know how to explain it anymore. I, I, I have no words. I really yeah. don't. I really don't. Anyways, Saturday night against the Detroit Red Wings. What a matchup. What a matchup. Two of the bottom feeders of the league going at it about center ice saturday night what's your prediction and i'll do my joke prediction just to lighten up the mood i say capacity reaches seventeen thousand out of 21 it's in montreal correct yeah maybe 15 if they're lucky yeah but that's my joke prediction uh, it's a funny one i i didn't laugh not because it was, <laughs> not not because it wasn't funny, just because I I'm in such a bad mood right now, uh, more than anything. <laughs> sorry, sorry if that if you took a no, no, I did. I didn't that. notice until you but, said it. Um, no, I'm just uh, I'm just thinking everything over in my head. But here we go. You want me to go with mine? Yeah, go ahead. Mine's very yeah. similar to last episode. Okay. Philip Zadina will score. He's he going to fill score. our net with pucks. He will fill our net up with pucks. Maybe two goals. But he will definitely score just the way the season's going with Lafreniere scoring, Kotkaniemi scoring. Zadina will score. That's my... I'll say that's my Detroit prediction. For my Habs prediction. I'll say they go... Uh, I'll say they go 0-3 on the power play the whole night. Can you stop? This is not getting any better. Um, I was close in the Lafreniere. I was close. He scored one. Right. You said two, right? I said two and an assist. Uh, whatever. He, he he looked, I think he did he that last good. night, actually. 
Um, I'm going to go with on the Detroit side of things. I think Lucas Raymond will score a goal. Yeah, maybe two, maybe three, maybe Screw four it. if he wants. You know what? Screw it. Um, and in terms of the Montreal Canadiens, I think I'm going to go back to my old ways here. My old prediction. I don't know if I don't know if this is going to ring a bell or not, but I'm going to say Brett Kulak scores a goal. Um, uh, I mean, I feel like he's probably the favorite to score a goal in this game for Montreal. Um, I don't see anyone coming close to his odds. So I'm going to stick with Brett Kulak. I think it's going to be an end-to-end rush. I think he's going to turn Detroit inside out, per usual, because Mm -hmm. that's just what Brett Kulak does. And there you go. I think if you go to Vegas and you have to put like odds on this hab- on this Habs game, I think there's higher odds that Jeff Blaschel scores a goal than the Habs you scoring me, on the power play. I want to check for you quickly. Do you know because, who Jeff Blaschel is? Um, I've heard the name before. He's I their coach. Oh, okay. Yep. He's their coach. Well, now, well, now, now I look like a little <laughs> bit of an idiot, but because I I thought it it sounded way too familiar, but yeah, he's I- not going to score. Well, but I'm sure as high as odds are higher than the Habs power play. Um, yeah, yeah, probably. Especially with goalie interference being a thing, that was too bad. But we really didn't even talk about that, about the power play at all. I know, I I know, because it's just so bad. I mean, and and that also speaks to. Could we talk about like why Joe? I almost just said Joe Burrow again. Why Alex (laughs) Burrows has a job? Uh, I don't know. I honestly have. It was never good. <laughs> it was, it was never literally good. never good. You know, you know what? The one thing that stood out to me, first of all, I think in, in the first game that he was behind the bench, I think they did score a power play goal, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, exactly. That first game, right. everyone was like, oh my God, let's go, new vision, and then just trash. Right. And then after that, the only things that I got excited about were the fact that all of a sudden the Habs started to, to create these plays. Like they would win the faceoff, and then someone would go into into both corners. They'd make a mm-hmm. pass behind the net. And I was like, holy cow, I've never seen this from the team. Yeah, but that was yeah. it. He had like a spark of excitement of wow, I'm with the big team instead of Laval. And now it's almost as if he's he's scared to tell Petrie either stop shooting the puck or he's scared to take him off the power play. He shouldn't be on the power play. He's so annoying. And yeah, and, and Petrie has been a another concern that that I've had at least. And again, I mean, I mean, I I'm going to keep saying this. Why don't I know? I know Petrie's, you know, been so good for so long and you, he's always been on the, on the, um, like he's always been on the up in terms of production and he's always, you know, outproduced his previous year, but he's, he's not looking good right now. And why don't at this point you're 0 and five, why don't you give someone else a shot? Why don't you let mm-hmm. Romanov get in there? You know, let Sammy Niku, let that hair flow. Who knows? Yeah, just, where is Sammy? Come on, get him I don't know. There. But I just saw an article that said that he was practicing on the power play. So maybe it's still because of the concussion. They just want to make sure he's fully cleared. Yeah, it's possible. But I don't know. I that that might be a, a bright spot in this team. Sammy Niku and his golden luscious hair. Mm. It's nice. We'll end it on that. End it on the lettuce. <laughs> end it on the lettuce. <laughs> we'll end it on Sammy Niku's hair. There you go. A little bright note because this episode has been very dark. It really has been. And you know what makes it dark is that is that your like your camera like it almost like mine's like really bright, but yours is like dark and like you're kind of scaring me a little bit. Yeah, because I I look like Lord Voldemort. I dimmed the brightness of my of my light up here. Right. Okay. So that like No, no, like it's good because mine's too bright. But like I feel like if mine was a little dark, like if I did this, 
Oh yeah, there we this go. Would, it would be so sad. It already is sad. Yeah, whatever. This, this season's a mess. Anyways, um, now we're we're getting a little bit off topic here. We'll end it off. I guess we were supposed to end it off Samaniku's oh, hair. Wait, we oh. can't end it off on that because we have to. We have to provide, and we have to give a question of the day. We have to. Oh, it's true. We have to. It's true. Um, do you have anything in mind? Um, how about how about this? How about this? Let me know what you think. How many games does it take before Montreal wins a game this season? So it's been five. How many more games? <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, I am serious. They play Detroit. I think they can lose to Detroit. I think they can lose to anyone in the league right now. So with that being said, I mean, but actually, you know what? I don't like, I don't know if that, I, That's let's, fine. Let's, no, let's give something else. Let's give something else. Something maybe to rejoice, rejoice mm-hmm. people. But I don't know if that's, that can even happen at this point. Um, How many, how many losses till there's a major change? Okay, I like that one because we I had like some of our friends saying, "Oh, and nine, Ducharme's gone." Okay, so but we'll I ask I, how many some... how many losses, or maybe even if it's one in ten, or how many games, right? How many games? Because because yeah. I can some I can see some people coming back and saying eighty two, but I can also see some people say ten, ten total. Oh, games. and eighty two. No, sorry, I meant like total games. So like, oh, like at the end the of the season, 80s, he'll be yes, done. Yes, by the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair uh, answer, though. And a major change in terms of you know, I mean, obviously Jeff Molson is going absolutely nowhere, but uh, GM, coach, assistant coach, anything, anything in that tier. So yeah. we'll end it off on that, I think. Yeah, it won't be not a, not a Cedric Paquette for a sixth rounder. Like we we want like a big move here. And oh yeah. Whatever. And or if you want to get really bold and say after ten games, Sammy Niku's gonna cut his hair. <laughs> there, I did it on purpose so we can end it on Sammy Niku's lettuce. <laughs> now right? let's leave it at that. And on that note, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thank you, guys.